So I was watching like a lot of Better Call Saul today, and it really took up a lot of my time. And then I got this beer machine, and then now I've just been drinking beer and watching Better Call Saul. How's how's your day been, Bree? The the saying "beer machine" is is just a beautiful thing, in my opinion. That just sounds fucking great. It is. I'm drinking are, are, a lot of beer. Are we going to tell these people that uh, we are quarantine recording right now, or are we just going to keep that a big fat secret? No, yeah, maybe we should. So, guys, um, this is our first attempt at recording remotely. Me and Bree have never done this before, beside the one time that I called her on Patreon, but this is completely different. So, if we have any issues over the coming weeks or months or however the fuck long this goes or year, I don't know... Um, that's why we're recording in completely different areas. We're on the phone with each other, and we're just going to see how this goes. We can't see each other right now because Brie keeps trying to get herself Ronad, and I'm, it's not a part of my life right now. It's it's not my fault I'm an essential employee, okay? I, you <laughs> mean, if it was up to me, I would have taken the two weeks off and stayed the fuck home, but you know what? It's not, so... Yeah, the other essential employees are trying to Rona her up, and that's really fucking with the feng shui of our podcast right now but you know what here we are we're trying to get this going and this is just how it's going to be for a little while until it, it's not it's not the best but i'll take it <laughs> yeah until you guys can clear this shit up this is what's going on so uh here's the episode Woo. Hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode of Horror Soup. I'm Caleb, and I'm here with some... Bree. Oh, that's who you are? I don't know what's going on anymore. We do have a Patreon to thank, Bree. Oh, we do. That's unfortunate. (laughs) (laughs) Unfortunate that another poor sucker is giving us money to destroy their lives. We've bamboozled yet another person. (laughs) So we would like to thank Dylan Lavalli. In the $10 tier, that's the postcard soup tier, you are going to get a postcard that's probably just going to tell you to fuck off or something. I don't know what I read on those. We're going to dip your postcard in some soup and send it right over to you. So expect mold, my friend. (laughs) Expect a lot of mold and a lot of smells that you really don't want to deal with. (laughs) So welcome to another episode of True Crime Thursdays, guys. I think this is episode 16, if I'm remembering right. Sounds right, yeah. I think that's right. <laughs> people, people are probably so tired of me saying that. I never know what episode it is. Whatever. I, I, ne- I, dude, I don't even know. Like, I, I, I just don't even know anything right now. You just don't even know. <laughs> I don't even know where I am. I don't know where I am. It's weird not having you here. <laughs> it's, it's very strange, it, dude. Like, I never thought I would say this, but like, <laughs> it's fucking weird not not having you like right next to me. It's I don't like it. Yeah, it's Mar- strange. Like <laughs> um, America needs to get their shit together and figure out a cure for this shit because I am sick of it. <laughs> for like those two weeks that you weren't here due to other reasons, I was like, oh, fuck yeah, dude, no brief for once. And now I'm just like, all right, this is a- and enough. Enough. Now, now that <laughs> enough it's forced upon us, we're like pissed about it. <laughs> yeah, now I'm like, ha- this isn't my choice anymore. I'm not. I'm not happy. It has to be on our terms, no matter what. 
<laughs> exactly. Those weren't even our terms, but it was it, it was still fine. <laughs> it was yeah. fine. <laughs> so as today, as government, I- soon as the government steps in, that's when we've had it. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so today I'm talking about uh, Junko Furata, and I'm going to go ahead and give a little disclaimer first. Um, no one attack me for my mispronunciation of names in this. This is a Japanese case, and I'm going to do my best to pronounce everything properly. And I try to yeah. look some of this stuff up, but I'm still... <laughs> there's a lot of names that I'm just not familiar with, and I'm going to do my best. So please, please have mercy. Yeah, I told you earlier I was going to look into this, and then um, I started cleaning, and then I didn't stop until like an hour ago, so I did not get the chance to look into this, so you're on your own with the pronunciation here, bud. No, yeah, I don't blame you, because I was going to like finish my research like three hours ago, but as I said, I was getting drunk and watching Better Call Saul, so <laughs> <laughs> I uh, <laughs> uh, the time got away from me too, bud. <laughs> it's all right. Slipped right through our fingers. So anyway, um, Junko Farada or Junko Farada was a Japanese high school student born on January eighteenth of nineteen seventy one, and her life was ended tragically on January fourth of nineteen eighty nine after being kidnapped, trapped, and enduring forty four days of pure torture at the hands of four miners. So holy shit! It's kind of a weird start to a case. Like first of all, this is uh, this is a young girl dying. And she was killed by a lot of boys around her same age. So they were all around like between like 17, I mean, between like 16 and 18 ish. You said she was in college right now? No, she was in high school. She was only oh, um, okay. 16 years old um, when she was kidnapped and 17 years old at the time of her death, just shy of 18. Oh my God. Well, actually, no, that doesn't sound right. I think, I think, you know what? Now that I'm saying that out loud, the 16 part must have been wrong. She was definitely kidnapped when she was 17 because she died a few days before her 18th birthday. Ah, uh, okay, yeah, that that makes a little more sense. Yeah. So yeah, sorry about that, guys. Anyway, um, her body was actually found inside of a concrete drum, more oh. like a barrel, you know, for oh. in layman's terms. In layman's terms, and um, her case became known as the concrete encased high school girl murder case. Uh, I that's think a very long name. It's very elaborate. I think that's like uh, translated weird. I'm sure it's probably like shorter or something. Like yeah, in, in the original it, language, because that doesn't roll off the tongue very well. Yeah, translations are always hit or miss. Yeah, this one was a miss. So the De- murder definitely. and torture, <laughs> the murder and torture on their own are. Grueling to say the least, but what is worse is that the four young boys involved were not the only ones who knew about her capture. Oh, fuck. So, Junko was born in Misato, Saitama, Japan, and before her kidnap, she was going to high school, and she lived with her parents and a younger and older brother. She didn't smoke or drink or anything, and she was just about to start her first part-time job. Really, she was just, like, she was just a, like, really sweet girl, by all means necessary. So things were weird at school because some of the boys she went to school with weren't that great of characters. And one of those boys was named Hiroshi Mayano. And he apparently had a crush on her and kept asking her out even though she didn't want to be near his stink ass. He looks like he smells. <laughs> um, I, I'm sure he does. She kept I'm turning sh- him down. I'm pretty sure he does. I, I'm positive. So she kept turning Never? him down, which... Sorry. Oh, sorry. No, go ahead. It's hard to not cut off each other when we can't even see each other. Like, it's hard I to do know. it when we're in person. 
this this is uh, very hard. I was going to say, um, I've never seen the guy, never want to see him, never want to meet him, but I'm pretty sure he smells. That's very fair, and you're right on that. You're very right. So <laughs> this guy, he thought it was weird that she kept turning him down. He was pretty much feared by most of the school because he was actually known to have affiliations with the Yakuza. So on November 25th of 1988, Miyano met up with his friend Nobuharu with a specific plan to pretty much just attack women. And at 8.30 p.m., the boys saw Junko on a bicycle heading home. And Miyano told Minato to kick Junko off of her bicycle. And right after he did that, he just kind of ran off. Miyano acted like it was just some big coincidence. He was like, oh, shit, you got hit off your bike? That, oh, my God, that's terrible. Let me let me get you home safely. Um. Okay, hold on. Can, okay, because one of them is Miyano, and one of them mm-hmm. is what? Uh, Nobuharu. Oh, okay. So most of the time, I'm going to refer to Miyano as um his first name, Hiroishi. Okay. Something of the sort. Uh. Yeah, or Hiroshi. I think it's Hiroshi. Okay. Okay, so the the guy with the M name was the one that had a crush on her, right? And he met up with his friend, and he's like, hey, let's just go. No, uh, so the one that had a crush was Hiroshi. Okay, okay, I'm following now. It's kind of hard to follow all these names. Yeah, no, I'm sorry. I'm kind of just throwing names out, but this is kind of how it goes. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so Hiroshi led Junko to a warehouse completely unknowing to her like she didn't she thought they were just going home i think she was probably like kind of injured maybe dazed or something and uh-huh. he threatened to kill her and then he raped her in the warehouse and again oh in a God. nearby hotel so when they were at the hotel hiroshi called minato and his other friends named uh joe ugra and yashushi watanabe oh, and shit. he actually bragged to them about what he was doing what the fuck yeah, so Ogura asked uh, Miyano to keep her so that they could all have a turn, and like the sick fuck that he is, he agreed. So around 3 o'clock a.m., Miyano took Junko to a nearby park, and Minato, Ogura, and Watanabe were there waiting for them. They threatened her, and they said that they knew where she lived and that the Yakuza would kill her family if she tried to escape. So, oh my god. Yeah, it's getting fucking wild. At this point, she was gang raped by the four boys. Holy and then, fucking shit, dude. Yeah, and then she was taken to a house owned by Minato's parents. This is where pretty much everything just goes fucking insane. They threatened her. They were like, you know, Yakuza's going to kill you, blah, blah, blah. And this house was going to become their rape and torture dungeon for the next 44 days. Holy fuck. And with the parents at home? Because they were only they were minors, right? So, yeah, we're going to get into this. They weren't, like, there the entire time, but it turned out that um, they were there oh at some God. points. Yeah, we're going we're gonna to get into that in some more detail pretty soon. Okay. So, um, it's also worth knowing that this specific group had, like, a history of raping women. They'd even kidnapped and raped a girl, like, right before Junko. Oh, and they weren't, like, penalized for it, or... No, it doesn't seem like it. I don't think they were caught for that one. Oh, my God. This one is going to make me throw up. I can feel it. Yeah, it's fucking rough. It gets so much worse, too. Like, there's 
uh, it'll be warnings pretty soon. So okay. now on um, the 27th of November, Junko's parents contacted the police because obviously their daughter should have been home by now. Yeah. Junko had actually attempted to call the police at some point too, um, but she was caught and punished for attempting to escape. And this wouldn't oh be the first God. time. Her kidnappers were worried about this. So they forced her to call her parents and say that she was just staying with a friend and that she was okay. Things, unfortunately, got even worse, and Minato's parents, like I said a second ago, they supposedly, they supposedly weren't always around, but sometimes they were. So, the little shits forced Junko to pretend to be one of their girlfriends, and at first, it worked. But after a while, they stopped caring. And there's a reason why. The reason why is because Minato's, or Minato's parents didn't give a shit. See... Go on. I'm sorry. Go ahead. No, no. You, you could say it. You could say it. I'm just fucking disgusted, dude. Like, I... Uh, I just... So, after the fact, they said that it was because they were scared of their child. And, okay, I'm gonna go ahead and say, like, while I get being scared of the Yakuza, a fucking child is being tortured in front of you. Like, at that point, you shouldn't care about what's... Like, even what's gonna happen to you or anything. Like, you can't let that fucking happen. Exactly. Exactly. Not only that, are you a fucking parent or not? Like, I'm sorry, like, that's your child. Like, you raised him to be this way. It's, like, are you kidding? It makes no fucking sense, and it's just stupid to me. But, okay, I'll let you go on. So, Minato's brother was also aware of what was happening, and he also chose not to do a fucking thing. Junko was estimated to be raped between 400 and 500 times during her stay in the Minato's house. Oh, my God. She was used as a punching bag. She was starved. She was hung from the ceiling. She was forced to eat cockroaches. And none of that even begins to describe what she endured during her time there. Oh my god. So before we get farther into this, I want to give a very heavy warning for what we're about to get into. Oh boy. This is some of the most sadistic torture like we've ever talked about on the show. It's going to get graphic. So if you're into it, continue. If not, fast forward a little bit or shut off the episode. I don't blame you. Yeah. So the four shit stains dropped barbells on her stomach like iron barbells. They made her drink her own urine they inserted random objects inside of her vagina and her anus. Some of those items, including a lit light bulb, which actually broke inside of her. <gasps> oh my god. Also, fireworks, which they lit. Are you fucking- Yeah. She was kept locked in a freezer for hours. After her organs started failing, she wasn't able to eat. And this was due to, like, you know, dropping fucking iron barbells, like, all over her and beating the shit yeah. out of her. So she wasn't able to eat. She was dehydrated. And when she tried to eat, she vomited, which made her situation, like, even worse. Not just because of the dehydration, but because the boy started beating her for dirtying up their carpet. Oh, my God, dude. She was constantly urinated on by the boys and during that also forced to drink their urine and her urine as well. Um, they burned her vagina with lighters, put cigarettes out on her. They tore off her, nef her left nipple with pliers and they forcibly oh. pierced her breast with sewing needles. Oh, my God. They then filled her eyelids with hot wax and eventually she was no longer able to do really any physical activities properly and it was said that it even took her over an hour to crawl on her hands and knees just to make it to the bathroom and even after that point it was near impossible for her to even use the bathroom because of all the things that they forcibly shoved inside of her oh my fucking god dude it's really fucking repulsive so around december junko attempted to call the police again and she was caught by these shit stains in response they set her on fire what? Twice. And she lived. Dude, what? 
Eventually, on January 4th of 1989, some say that Junko was specifically the player of a losing game of Mahjong, which supposedly pissed the assholes off and caused them to retaliate. However, it doesn't really seem, like, from the research that I found, it doesn't seem like she played the game. It's, and, and to me, it kind of makes sense, because the sources say that, you know, like, quote, the brutality of the attacks drastically altered Junko's appearance. Her face was so swollen that it was difficult to even make out her features. Her body was severely crippled and gave off a rotting smell. So I'm pretty sure if she was in that condition, I don't think she was even able to do anything. Like, especially if if it took her an hour just to crawl to the bathroom and she couldn't use the bathroom. Not only that, but if her body gave off a rotting smell, she... There's no way she'd be playing a fucking card game, dude. Like, no. Oh, yeah. She had infections everywhere from the I, shit they I were doing I can only to her. imagine, dude. And I don't think I didn't send the pictures to you, but I found the, some of the pictures of this, and it is literally some of the most fucked up shit I've ever seen in my life. Oh, like, my God. it is it is brutal. You know, I don't mind, like, looking at fucked up shit. Like, it's, like, it's really no big thing to me, but, like, I'm kind of, like, I don't think I want to see that. I don't think you do. It was really hard to look at. I can imagine so. I I don't know, man. That's that's fucking rough. It's incredibly sad. It's really fucked up. And like literally just hearing all of that, there's no fucking way this girl was even in like the mental or physical capability to play a game of Mahjong. Yeah, there's no way. That does not make sense. It also said that her brain actually decreased in size due to everything that happened to her. Yeah. Like, it's fucked up. So, yeah, that makes no sense to me. I'm going to go ahead and say that she wasn't a part of that game, but I do think the game still happened. Either way, um, it seems like they just lost to someone else, and they came back, and they took it out on her. So this caused um, all the smells and everything, too, apparently caused the four boys to lose sexual interest in her, and apparently around that time, they went, and they found another girl to attack. Another girl, you said? Yes. I don't know the name of that girl. I couldn't find it, but I did find multiple sources saying that they did that. And I'm pretty sure the police investigated them for that as well. So in response to the losing game, these fuck asses beat her. They placed short candles on her eyelids, pretty much so that they would burn fast and then they would burn her eyelids with wax. They attacked her with a barbell and then they made her stand and they would hit her with pretty much large sticks to make her fall over. And when she fell, she fell onto a stereo. I don't know what part of her hit the stereo, but she went into convulsions. She was bleeding immensely, and they continued to beat her even while she was convulsing and bleeding on the floor. They poured lighter fluid all over her body, and they set her on fire. And even through all of this, Junko tried to put herself out, but her attempts didn't work, and she died shortly after. Oh my god, dude. That's honestly... It it made me tear up when I was reading all of this. Like, it fucked me up oh my she was she went she probably hit her head when she fell on the stereo if she was going into convulsions either that or she was um her blood pressure was dropping like so much that she went into convulsions but like dude just the fact that she still tried to put herself out after all of that like i and after what she went through for a month and a half before this too like even just what she went through right then and there is i can't imagine like it it literally made me tear up reading all of this because i just started imagining what this girl went through and it's just so fucked up i my it makes my stomach turn dude i i can't believe this yeah humans are fucking disgusting these these fucking people were not human dude these people no, they were fucking evil 
Jesus Christ. These disgusting fucking assholes put her body inside of a 55-gallon barrel, and they filled it with wet concrete. And it's not much different from the barrel girls in the Dexter season with Lumen. And there's actually another case that I found also with girls stuffed in barrels. It's just, I feel like that's such a fucking disrespectful thing to do. Like, even after everything you did to her, just to stuff someone in a bot in a barrel and throw them away like they're nothing, like, that's so fucked. Well, no, because these, me? these types of people have no fucking remorse for anything. Oh, no, not not whatsoever. So Jesus, around man. 8 o'clock p.m., they dispose of the drum in Tokyo. And Hirisho, or Hiroshi and Ogura were arrested for the gang rape of, a, of the 19-year-old woman who they had kidnapped in December. And on March 29th, two police officers came to interrogate them. And during this, one of the officers led Miano into thinking that he knew about Yunko's murder. So this dumbass assumed that his buddy confessed. So he told the police where to find her body. Oh, my God. Yeah, it's ridiculous. The The barrel was found, and Junko's body was identified by fingerprints, which honestly amazes me that she even had fingerprints at this yeah. point. After being burnt alive three times, and oh, my fuck, that's incredible to me. That's insane. Oh, boy. So when her body was found, um, I don't think I'm going to pronounce this right, but Oro, Oranamen? Oranamen sea bottles were stuck up her anus and her face was unrecognizable. So Oranamen sea is a Japanese carbonated soda and it comes in like a glass bottle similar to a Coke bottle. Oh my god, dude. The police were confused by the confession, to say the least. And this is because they were actually trying to get them to confess to the murder of a mother and her seven-year-old son that had occurred nine years I mean, uh, nine days prior to Junko's abduction. It just happened that they were like, oh, you're talking about this one? Okay, yeah, that happened. I need to see what these guys fucking look like, dude. Oh, they just look stupid. It, they're not even worth looking at. They're gross. Oh, my God. Yeah, and that murder also was never solved. I don't know if they had any connection to it or not, but... They probably did. Yeah, I, I wouldn't be surprised. Or maybe just something else going on, and maybe just the Yakuza in general. I don't know. So, Joe Agoro was arrested for another sexual assault and subsequentially, uh, subsequentially <laughs> rearrested <laughs> for murder. I'm so bad at saying that word. Subsequentially. Subsequench. So, the arrest <laughs> of... Um, Watanabe, Nobaharu, and Minato, and also Minato's brother followed with this. Good. Another story came out, and it has been rumored that not only were the four boys and some family members involved, it seems that other members of the Yakuza, and even as many as a hundred of them, were brought in to participate in the rape and torture of this girl over these 44 days. Oh my god, dude. It's even said that uh, as many as 12 different men raped her in the same day on one day. Oh my fucking god, dude. So, some have been identified and actually charged to rape after DNA was found. And two of those include Natsuo Nakamura and Koichi Ayahara. Supposedly, Ayahara was bullied into raping Yunko after he left. And after he left, he told his brother, and his brother called the police. And this is where it gets really fucked up. Police were brought to the house, but they left because they were informed that no girl was inside. They were informed by... The people there, the boys that were holding her captive. They were even invited inside of the house, but they turned it down because they thought that the, that the invitation itself proved that there wasn't any wrongdoing inside of the house. Are you shitting me, dude? Yeah, they were like, go ahead, like, come inside, you can search around. They were like, oh, no, you're inviting us in. That I, I trust you, you're good. And they left. I, I can't even imagine um, Junko, like, hearing somebody else in the house and, like, Nobody coming and saving her, dude. It's fucking disgusting. Like, are you kidding uh, me? That's your uh, job. Like, it, it doesn't hurt you whatsoever as a police officer to just go in and look. Like, if it's if there's something there, there's something there. If there's not, leave. 
it wasn't hurting anything. And you're just like, oh, no, nah, these these boys, you know, they said to look around. So, you know what? It's OK. It makes zero it's- fucking sense for me. Obviously, both of these officers were shit on immensely for their decisions. I fucking hope so. They were both fired for failing to follow standard fucking procedure. Good. This visit was 16 days into her imprisonment. So they, she was there oh just about a God. month after. She could have been saved. This girl could have been saved if these police officers just chose to go inside. I feel like those police officers should have done some time themselves, to be honest. Those police officers deserved a fucking rot. Are you kidding? Like, that is so bullshit, dude. That is so not fucking cool on any level. Oh, my God. This is this is heavy shit. Yeah, it's really bad. Yugo's funeral was held on the 2nd of April in 1989, and one of her friend's memorial address stated, Jun-chan, welcome back. I have never dreamed that we would see you again in this way. You must have been in so much pain. So much suffering. The happy we all made for the school festival looked really good on you. And I assume that's some kind of like, you know, some kind of outfit or something. I'm not sure. We will never forget you. I have heard that the headmaster has presented you with a graduation certificate. So we graduated together. All of us. Yun-chan, there is no more pain. No more suffering. Rest in peace. And her future employer presented her parents with a univer- with a uniform that she would have had to wear at the electronics retailer that she was going to work at. Oh, man. The uniform was placed in her casket. And at her graduation, her school principal presented her with a high school diploma, which was given to her parents. Oh, this is going to make me fucking cry, dude. Despite the brutality of their crime, this is, gonna, this is when it's going to really fucking piss you off. Like... It's going to piss you off for the rest of the month. Despite the brutality of their crime, the identities of the shitheads were sealed by the court since they were all minors at the time. But it's going to get a little better because some journalists said fuck that and released all of their names. Stating that because of what they did, they did not deserve to live in silence. Oh, yeah, dude. Dude, fucking kudos to that journalist. 100%. 100%. You go, Glen Coco. There's a little more to this. We're going to get into the sentencing right now, but which is also going to piss you off. But a lot of them also change their names. But their names are also, for the most part, public record, too. So I think they might still be able to be found, uh, hint, hint. Um, I hope so. The leader, Hiroshi, was sentenced to 17 years in prison, and then he got added on an extra three. And apparently this was the maximum next to life. And apparently um, all of um, them were minors at the time. He was not a minor. He was 18. And he still didn't get life. He deserved to be fucking executed. Are you are you shitting me? He deserved everything that they did to her. Oh, and yeah. More. Tenfold. Tenfold, dude. Hey. Oh, my God. So I'm just going to say this before we get into the other sentencing. Um, a lot of people in Japan in general, it is just widely known that um, the sentencing is bullshit for all of these kids. Every last one of them. Like, everyone who knows about this case says the same thing. Like, what the fuck happened in the court proceedings here? Because none of these kids got what they should have got. No, I, oh, God. They were all willing participants. They all knew exactly what they were fucking doing. It is ridiculous. So Nobuharu, who originally received a four to six year sentence, was resentenced to five to nine years upon appeal. He was at the time, he was 16 at the time of the murder. I have no words. Five to nine years. Nobuharu's uh, Nobuharu's parents and brother were not charged. 
However, Yuko's parents sued them for what had happened. After, and by Fair the way, um, I, I referred to them as Minato earlier, so just to be clear, these were Minato's parents and brother, the ones who were fully aware of what okay. was happening at their house. They were not charged for anything. They were sued, and they lost that civil suit, but that doesn't mean anything. Um, yeah. After his release, Minato moved in with his mother, and he has been literally a freeloader ever since like he hasn't had a job he hasn't done anything and then he was arrested in 2018 for attempted murder after he'd beat a 32 year old man with a metal rod and slashed his throat with a knife Holy after a shit. disagreement yeah this, this guy has not changed whatsoever he's still out there being a piece of shit oh my god should have never been released should have never been released yes yeah, somebody wouldn't have lost their life yeah and and this was just two years ago uh actually that man survived somehow oh wow yeah, sl throat slit still survived, but ridiculous. Upon his arrest, uh, a hit of what the fuck am I saying? I'm slurring words so much. I'm not even drunk. Someone's going to say I'm drunk. Whatever. <laughs> um, upon his arrest, Minato denied the allegations. He said, I beat and hit him, but I did not intend to kill. Um, his testimony changed at the opening of his trial. He said, it's not correct that I beat the victim in the right shoulder with a baton. However, he did acknowledge stabbing him. So it wasn't your intent to kill him, but you did stab him in the throat with a knife. Yes. It was like, it wasn't my intent to kill him. And then he's like, wait, 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 hold on. No, no, no. I didn't beat him in the shoulder. All I did was stab him. <laughs> So I don't know. <laughs> I I really don't know where you're trying to go with that. But this dude's uh, got his story straight. Let me tell you what. You're. I, I don't know about that man. Like just maybe try again. Go back to go. Do not collect two hundred dollars. You're an idiot. <laughs> Um, Watanabe, who was originally sentenced to three to four years in prison, let that sink in, uh, he received an quote-unquote upgraded sentence of five to seven years, and he oh. was 17 at the murder. Like, I don't get this whole thing like, oh, you're a year under being an adult, so we're not gonna charge you for torturing someone for a month and a half. Like, uh, uh I don't. I'm sorry, even the 16-year-old. He knew what the fuck he was doing, dude. Even, like, a 12-year-old should know not to do that. You Are you kidding know me? You know what you're doing. Like, I, there comes a certain age where you know right from wrong. And you know what? It comes a point where you're doing that for 44 days straight where I give you no fucking sympathy. You had oh, yeah. a month and a half to think about what you're doing. Like, uh, no, no. I, uh, dude, I need to know who these fucking kids' parents are so I can go personally fight them. They're all idiots. Like, I don't care if you're a scared idiot. You're still an idiot. Fuck you. It's dumb. Idiot. Agura served eight years in a juvenile prison before he was released in August 1999. He was 17 at the time of his murder. He was arrested again in 2004 for kidnapping and beating a man who he thought was involved with his girlfriend. He tortured him what? and threatened to kill him and was arrested again. He served seven years and is again out. That is insane to me that you can kill somebody and only get seven years. Kidnapped, a, not even just kidnapped someone, kidnapped a person for the second time in your life after serving a sentence for kidnapping and murdering someone. So he didn't kill the second guy? Uh, no, he just threatened to kill him. Dude, it, even still, like what? Uh, he kept him there and he beat him for like four hours straight. <sighs> so yeah, oh, there's my that. God. The same man, um, his mother allegedly vandalized Yunko's grave, stating that she, let this sink in, like, li really let this sink in, stating that Yunko had ruined her son's life. I'm gonna throw my fucking laptop out of fucking wall right now. Are you shitting his me? Mo his mother vandalized a victim's grave because 
she ruined her son's life. Her son being the man who tortured, raped, and murdered this girl. And his life is ruined. Okay. Yep. That makes that makes perfect fucking sense to me. It makes me want to rip my fucking hair out and scream. I God. I, I have no, I have no words for that. Like, not only is the son a piece, of, we know where he gets it from. Obviously, obviously, we know where this dude gets it from. One hundred percent. She also, also, um, his father's money. Like, he had a bunch of savings that was mm-hmm. supposed to be sent to Yunko's family, and the mother, um, stole all of it and just spent it on a bunch of lavish stuff so that Junko's family couldn't get the money. Wow. Just a spiteful bitch. Really, you're a piece <laughs> so- of shit. Somebody needs are, to fucking bring these people to justice, dude. Like, you are a piece of human fucking waste. You just came out of my asshole, and I'm not even going to flush you. I'm going to shit on top of you for the rest of my life. I'm going to hire people to shit on top of you. I will pay money and to poop on you. It's I have no fucking words for you. You're a terrible just person. Disgusting fucking human beings. A waste of life. If there is a hell, you are going to it. You, your, chill, your child, like, all... Of the other people involved. Um, books have been written about the crime, and a movie titled Concrete Encased High School Girl Murder Case was released in 1995 in Japan, and another one um, in 2004 titled Concrete. I, wa- I wonder what uh, his mom thinks of that movie. That's a good question. Um, I think this is just a really unfortunate case. I don't think there's much upside to this because none of these boys got the justice they deserve. They're all no. out there still living their lives. A lot of them changed names. Pretty much, I think all of them are still alive to this day. Uh, we know at least a couple of them are. They're still just about near killing people. They're definitely going to kill again. I wouldn't be fucking surprised seeing more articles about them. And it's really unfortunate that Junko's name doesn't live on in a better light because it's not even talked about that much from what I've read. And it's not even that big of a deal because all these kids got off and it's just fucking sad it's really fucking sad it's disgusting and it's it's awful dude it's not even sad it's just awful like it's oh man no words dude no words um fucked up world we lived in we live in yeah i'm really sorry that we're not ending this case on a good note but there's there's no good way to end this this is just just unfortunate and we need to all get together as a society and uh make sure that all these people explode yeah like ready, ready or not style. I was yeah, just yep. going to say that. <laughs> we're not even together and we're still on it. Yep. <laughs> uh, so guys, that was True Crime Thursdays, episode 16. Thank you for bearing with us. I know this was a really rough case. Like This, this was, was a, hard for me to type. This was a brutal one, dude. <laughs> this was Holy a, shit. This was really hard. This was a really hard one, man. <sighs> oh, man. So uh, I hope you guys bear... Th- we're, we're able to bear through the case, and not only that, through our first remote recording. I hope we didn't interrupt each other too much, and I hope this gets better in the coming months, because we're going to have to do this for a while. <laughs> yeah, uh, I, just, uh, I keep on hoping this that this is going to be over, but it won't be, so... Yep. So anyway, this is the end of episode. Uh, Thank you for listening. Um, If you would like to support us, please tell a friend because that supports us more than anything because it gets us more listeners and then more listeners means more viewership and donation and happy and all that good podcast stuff. (laughs) Um, If you want to get some free stickers, go ahead and leave us a review at iTunes.com, iTunes app, iTunes. 
iTunes podcast. I don't know what iTunes is, but go ahead and leave a review there. Make it five stars, put words in, maybe good words, maybe bad words, but if it's five stars, I don't care if it's bad words. And then send it over to horsesoup at yahoo.com and just title it like review, stickers, something like that. Leave a screenshot and uh, I'll send you free stickers. Make sure you leave your address because otherwise I don't know where I'll send them. We also have a Patreon. Free stickers, baby. We have a Patreon and if you want to donate there, it's at patreon.com slash horsesoup and we appreciate it a lot and you could pick movies and get stuff and yeah, that's pretty sick if you ask me, man. We also have a website called horsesoupsucks.com and you can find hats and shirts and other stuff and maybe other stuff. I don't know what I do with that thing. Maybe I'll do something eventually. <laughs> and uh, I'm on Letterboxd at uh, Horsesoup Caleb. I think that's everything. Instagram at Horsesoup Podcast, Facebook at Horsesoup Podcast, and YouTube at Horsesoup. That's all. <laughs> let's, let's hope so. <laughs> and uh, that's, that's the end of the episode. And uh, I am Caleb, and that's... No? Huh? What, what's your What's your name? Oh, I'm sorry. You broke up. Uh, I'm Bree. <laughs> uh, this phone thing sucks, man. <laughs> That's the end of the episode. Bye.